Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, hello, hello. And uh, welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I'm a contributor at NinerNoise.com. And here with me uh, to commiserate uh, the emptiness that is the current state of our football lives, uh, another contributor at NinerNoise.com, Mr. Chris Wilson. Chris, let the therapy begin. You don't sound very happy. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine why. No, no, I mean, there's no reason that I would be so sad at this particular moment. But the team in red won. Oh. And the confetti that was dropped was the exact same confetti that was dropped two weeks prior. So <laughs> actually, that's one thing about the NFL. They did save some money on confetti because it was like seriously the exact same confetti as last time. Well, I don't know if you saw that there were there were reports that um, some of the confetti that fell was made up of uh, like shards of tweets that were put out by chiefs uh not players but like yeah yeah, yeah fans yeah. and stuff yeah, I did see that. they did not send those up into the upper deck that's that's a that's a shame actually it was nice that they didn't shoot any of the confetti up into the upper deck like they did because you didn't want to deal with it anyway. to me last time yeah i ended up grabbing a handful of it for uh, my buddy in kansas city because that is friendship right there is sitting there and watching that that is true through the tears grabbing confetti yeah and then trying to find somebody who would sell me a program true, true. that I didn't want, <laughs> that I wanted to burn. <laughs> now you have two. Congratulations. Yep. So I now have a second program of a Super Bowl that I went to and we lost at. And it is sitting next to the first as inspiration for the next seven years or 70 years or however long it's going to take for us to get back to the show. Let's hope not. That that sounds sad. Um, so <laughs> for those uninitiated, uh, I, I would think if you're listening to this, you probably are initiated and you are wallowing in your sadness in the same way that we are. The San Francisco 49ers, they did the thing you don't want to do, and that's they lost the last game of the season. The goal for everybody is to win the last game of the season. Unfortunately, they got to the last game of the season and did not win it. They lost Super Bowl 54 in Miami on uh, Sunday, 31 to 20. To the Kansas City Chiefs, it's a real shame because that score actually doesn't indicate how close the game was. Uh, the That sort of late garbage time touchdown that uh, the Chiefs got makes the game look like a blowout or closer to a blowout, which it really was not. The Chiefs had the 7-3 lead, and that was their only lead up until they were winning 24-20 to You know, in the fourth quarter. So it's not as if they controlled the game or anything along those lines. And I think the, the scoreline is a little unfortunate, like not like it makes that big of a difference. So the the quest for six, uh, if you will, continues uh, into 2020, um, or as George Kittle would like to refer to it, the, uh, the legendary revenge tour. Uh, 2020, which I think I like better than, than Quest for Six, personally. Can we start that like right now and then not in September, please? I think people have already jumped on the, on the bandwagon. Um, I will not repeat exactly what Kittle said because it's not you know suitable for children's ears and we want to keep this uh, family-friendly podcast. But absolutely, he looked pretty upset about the outcome of the game and uh, 
frankly, if I were the rest of the NFL, I would not a I would not want a more motivated George Kittle. <laughs> if he has not reached the pinnacle of his motivation yet, then I think the rest of the NFL might be in trouble. Just throwing that out there. The only real question is, will Shanahan let him go out for passes, or will he just keep him in a block on the most important plays of, I don't know, Shanahan's life? Well... It's unfortunate when your third best pass blocker is also your best pass receiver. So that's a, a real unfortunate thing. Um, yeah, there's certainly some work to be done. And people were asking me how I was feeling about the game. And Monday was like a like a super sad day. I don't remember feeling this sort of like broken up about it uh, the last time uh, the, the Niners were in the Super Bowl and they lost to the Ravens. And I always forget, was the, the Super Bowl was in 2013. It was the 2012 season. Is that correct? Yeah. Or was it 2011 season? in the Super Bowls in 2012. I forget. It was 2012-2013 was the Super Bowl. So, so the Super Bowl was in 2013. Okay, cool. That's yep, what I thought. Correct. Um, right. So I don't... I remember being like more angry about the way that one ended. Uh, and also, like, we were talking about this before we before we started recording, that at the you time... You mean I was I remember, crying and you were trying to console me? Yes. Well, you were crying and I was trying to make you feel better, right? Um <laughs> That uh, you are a good guy. That uh, that I was more like shocked that because of the way that game started, where we fell so far behind, and then the comeback with with uh, Kaepernick leading the comeback, and the fact that we even had a chance to win that game at the end, and then the way that it ended with the four fades to Crabtree for some reason that we decided to run with you know Frank Gore and Colin Kaepernick in the backfield. So for some reason we we're like, oh, hey, throw it to this guy. It's gonna work one of these times, right? <laughs> on one of the on one of the most you know low efficiency passes that exist um i just remember feeling really angry about that one this one made me sad and i think part of that was because they were in the fourth quarter with a double digit lead now granted it was 10 points but still you know the defense had played really well they'd held patrick mahomes and the vaunted uh chiefs offense to 10 points through three quarters actually 10 points through two quarters and then they didn't score at all in the third so I was like prepared. I was like emotionally ready. I was like telling every I was like, I'm I'm this is gonna happen, I feel like, but I don't feel confident about it yet. And so this one made me more sad because they just sort of like all like all every part of the game that they've done effectively throughout the year at various points literally imploded at the same time. And I, I like the odds of that happening were were so slim that the defense would would sort of, you know, not be able to hold up when it needed to when it's been able to do that all year long the offense wouldn't be able to you know even get a first down um now granted that wasn't necessarily all on them there was some you know i think we can put at least some of that on the chiefs defense which stepped up when it's when it needed to and i don't know it was just so there could have been some other factors as well possibly sure 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 um but yeah i i think it just it just made me feel very sad like we were talking about before it, i sort of had the the opposite feeling between the two Super Bowls and that the first time you know, we're down big. I'm like, well, this is just horrible. <laughs> like this, I can't believe that I spent all this money and you know, spent all this time trying to find you know, a room at the holiday Inn for like, like 1600 bucks or whatever it cost me <laughs> just to be able to come to this game and watch my favorite team just get annihilated by my home team or one of my two home teams. And I'm sure I'm going to hear about this when I get home. That's for sure. And then for the lights to, you know, to turn off and then for me to wonder if there was some way that we could just start over <laughs> or like checking flights to see, I got to fly tomorrow. Maybe, are they, what are they going to do? Are they going to move this game to the next day? And then I have to leave the day after that or, or what? Yeah. And then the Niners had that huge comeback. And it, to me, it, it just felt sort of a little bit more like destiny. Like they were just, gonna make it happen and of course we just need to throw to crabtree over and over and over and that worked out pretty well for us because he's got the best hands in the game man what do you do? he does man if you hit him with a ball or if you call holding penalty whatever right yeah, yeah. i'm beyond complaining about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> i have so many things to complain about i won't complain about 2013 um i'll try not to <laughs> but in this game in many ways i lost hope at the end of the second quarter when Shanahan just failed to take advantage of an opportunity to score and he played scared and he played not to lose. And we all know what happens when you play not to lose and they lost. And 
they, like you said, there were a lot of things that had to go exactly the right way for the Chiefs to, you know, to win the game. But yeah. my feeling at the time, you know, the combination of Shanahan's play calling, you could see it come from a mile away. And even after the game, I could just sit in your seat and I know exactly what you're going to say, like line by line. Now you're going to say you're going to run it. And if it's you know a decent run by uh, the running back, then we're going to throw it. And if it's not, then we're going to run the ball again. And then it's exactly what he said. And then he said, and then we tried it again. And and then we got some yardage and then, you know, deep past the kittle and got the penalty. And it wasn't for the penalty, then would have put some points on the board. And it's like, you weren't trying to put any points on the board. You were playing scared. You just, you were happy to be tied, which, I mean, I sort of understand that when your defense is playing that well, you know, 10 points to the Chiefs in one half that you're like, hey, I mean, I mean if, if you would have told me that we could get into halftime 10-10 at the beginning of that game, I would have gladly taken it, but at the time, I gladly would have taken an opportunity to score. And, you know, if you do go three and out, the Chiefs get the ball and they're able to score, you get the ball in the second half. So it's just his combination of playing extremely passively and extremely aggressively, always at the wrong time, is something that I've been complaining about all year long. Right. I think you might know. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty aware. <laughs> I definitely get why he was throwing the ball later in the game, and I don't have quite the problem with that as a lot of other people do. No, no, no. I thought I thought the I thought the play calling late in the game was actually fine. Like good plays by the Chiefs defense, you know, especially Chris Jones in the middle who was causing havoc for Mike Person and Ben Garland in the middle. Um as you and I would. Yeah, right, right, right. Um but you can't just rest on like, oh, we're going to run the ball because it wasn't like the Packers game where they were just running all over them. And of course, you keep running the ball. They were showing enough on defense that you couldn't just go out there and just we'll, we'll just see if we can you know pick up 10 yards and three plays type of thing. And I've seen a, several people sort of break down the plays um, in pretty great depth. They were all open. It's just something happened either, you know. Garoppolo made the lesser of the of the better decisions or the ball got knocked down before it even got to the the player or the you know the offensive line didn't hold up and the pressure got to there were just a a number of factors that played into it I I I don't understand the whole people throwing a fit about the why are you just running the ball like you can't just run the ball to run the ball at that particular point there was way too much time especially the first time they got the ball when there was well, there were 12 minutes left when Tarvarius Moore got that interception. Like, you're not just going to run 12 minutes off the clock. Like, <laughs> well, especially when you have penalties left and right. Like, correct. Great time for that. Right, right, right. But the likelihood that you're going, like, what you want there is a drive that runs five or six min- minutes or seven minutes and ends up in a, in a score. And then, and then who cares at that point whether or not you ran the ball or passed the ball or whatever? I, I just, it's one of those things where you could look at this from, you know, a thousand different ways. And if here's the thing, if it had worked out, nobody would have complained. Nobody would be looking at it and going, oh, well, you made the wrong call. I would have complained. Like, I, Come on, man. I mean, you would have complained a little bit, but you would have been like, well, but not on this episode, because I promised you, but I would have complained. All the <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, next week's. <laughs> but I don't think anybody would have been calling out the play calling in those particular situations had they like I think that's the problem. I don't have a problem with that. There are a couple of other things. I think yes, maybe you want to be more aggressive at that at the end of the half. Um, maybe the field goals where they kick the field goals. Maybe especially the especially the first one. Probably not the thing you want to be doing when you know you need to score at least four touchdowns probably to beat this team. And you know, four touchdowns probably would have done it. Oh, oh yeah, but I, I don't think Shannon was really planning on doing that. And you know, sort of in my my conclusion on the long. Uber ride home <laughs> was that Shanahan's problem is when he stops playing the other team and stops trying to score and starts playing against the clock. Yeah. Cause that's what he did. And you know, they get the ball back and, and, and you know, like I was telling you before, like you know, I really didn't have a lot of, I don't want to say faith, you know, cause the whole marketing thing, but I didn't have, <laughs> very much faith in them winning the game, even when they were ahead from, I mean, they weren't ahead at, the, at halftime, but, but from you know, the last two minutes of the second quarter, all the way up until that more interception. And that's when it actually hit me when I thought we could actually win this. Like, yeah, it's possible. Like before that, I was like, we're going to lose it. 
like too many things are working against us right now. <laughs> I mean, the refs working against us. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to spend the whole time complaining about how horrible the refs were because they were horrible. And everyone knows they're horrible. And there's no way that you can not call a holding penalty all game long, especially. <laughs> or, an, or an offside when literally the entire stadium can see that the guy jumped and you're like, eh, it's totally fine. There were way too many times in that game where the Chiefs fans around me who were actually very nice were laughing <laughs> at some of the calls. And I got, let's see, I got an apology from a pair of Seahawks fans that were in my row. It was, it was actually very odd that there were a lot of fans that were wearing jerseys for other teams. And after the offensive pass interference against Kittle, that, um, I guess it, it looked a little bit worse when we saw it uh, on, on TV. But I don't know. It's like if you're not calling Bosa being tackled a hold, then right. I don't really think you can call that. I mean, maybe it is pest difference, maybe it's not, you know, whatever. The funny thing, did you did you watch it in slow motion? Sorensen made a, a big old to do about nothing. <laughs> he he definitely leaned into the the contact a little bit to make it look worse than it did, for sure. Yeah, Kittle didn't even really need to do that because he had him beat and he, he was just hand fight well he was trying he was to, hand fighting with him. Right. The guy were, grabbed him. Like Sorensen was 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 trying to was trying to hold on to him and he was trying to get his arms off of him, which is like how is that? pass interference on the yeah. on the offensive player i don't know but anyway but so many people are just like oh, oh it's so obvious it's so obvious pass interference and some people are like well it's so obviously not and i'm like well um i mean i don't personally think that it is i know you should not be calling that in that situation in the super bowl i definitely know you should not be calling that in this super bowl when you're calling nothing against right. the Chiefs. i mean like nothing you don't lose a game because well, you can lose the game because the refs. You but, can. But, like, I'm not blaming the refs for this loss. But no, no, at no, the no, same no, no. time. It didn't help. The 49ers rushed <laughs> four, and they were rushing four. They would have been very, very successful if it was just called correctly. <laughs> and it wasn't. Right. And I'm all about letting them play. I hate penalties. But when you have a guy who's being tackled by two different players while they're tackling the quarterback, I mean, like, come on, man. Like, just, just make make the obvious calls yeah. and then don't make the ticky-tacky call. Just one or the other. Yeah. And I prefer you just not call anything. With the holding, really, all you need to do is just, like, establish what the baseline is for that particular crew. And then, you know, if they don't stop, then you keep giving it to them until they stop it. Like, that's kind of, like, that's... So what would you consider the baseline? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I, apparently, there is none. No one will ever because know. Like, who knows what you could do? Tackling the defensive player or sandwiching in between two people, one taking him into the ground, the other one hitting him high, uh, is totally, totally fine. I mean, and, you know, as is, as is uh, you know, smacking the opposing quarterback in the head with your helmet, uh, which... 100% sure that wouldn't have flown if it had been gone the other way. Um, yeah, hit him in the helmet with your hand, with your helmet, who cares? Yeah, like you said, I'm not calling like a fix or anything. Uh, I'm not going to go that far, but there were certainly some situations where if the refs had done the opposite of what they had done, then the, the game probably goes a different direction. No, they just call it straight up, yeah. Uh, you know, if Bosa is held on that third and 15 bomb to Tyreek Hill, then it's third and 25, and they maybe don't score. Is that the game tying touchdown? Uh, I don't remember which one it was. No, it was the one that brought them from two scores to one score. Either way, like if you call it straight, you can't tell me that that doesn't make a pretty big difference. Like the difference between third and 15 and third and 25 in that situation is probably pretty good. Look, here's the thing. And here's the, the ultimate th- sort of thought on this for me. Nobody was ready for this. Like, I mean, I even at the beginning of the year when I did like a, a prediction for records and all this kind of stuff going into the season. I, I think I said nine and seven was, was the ultimate number that I came down to. And they might sort of like sniff the playoffs. If a bunch of other things break right kind of thing. So part of me is like, how can I be, how can I be like really upset? <laughs> about? It's really easy to be really upset. <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, yes, 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 absolutely. Because, because it's still like, even though, they might have gotten here ahead of schedule. And I think there's probably an argument to be made that they did. Yeah. Um, everything is flipped now. Like they played all season as underdogs. Like they were what two and a half point underdogs to the team with the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. 
in week two of the regular season. <laughs> so on some levels, it's just like, wow, the fact that they won the, the division, they won the NFC, they were in the Super Bowl, they had every chance to win it is really amazing. But at the same time, it's going to be really hard to get back. Like even if they manage to maintain some of their players that they have that are going to be uh, free agents, and we'll talk about all that stuff throughout the next couple of weeks and, and such as we head into the off season. But even if they maintain the whole team, like the number of things that have to go right to get for a team to get to this point, it's just, it's just a lot of things, right? Like, I mean, even look at the chiefs, they were down by multiple scores in every playoff game that they played in this season. Yep. And they won all three of them. Now, part of it is because they have Patrick Mahomes, who's apparently very good at football, but the other is just, you know, that's sometimes how things sort of break. I feel like it's sort of rare for a team to not play a complete game throughout the playoffs and yet win all of them. I, I agree, yeah. And maybe Shanahan didn't watch the other games and just thought that a two-score lead was enough. And Yeah, there's a lot of things that, not necessarily Monday morning quarterbacking it, but like at the time. And another thing I realized is I yelled too much at Shanahan yeah. from wherever I am in the stands. And usually it's somewhat close. Like, like maybe he could hear me. Like, I'm sure you can't, but maybe he could. But he can't hear me from the upper deck on the opposite side of the field. So I know he couldn't hear me, but I was yelling at him to call that time out. And I was yelling at him a whole bunch of other times. Well, the thing you missed watching it was that so is John Lynch from the press box. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen it since, of course. Yeah. So Lynch, you and I are on the uh, same page on this one. So my biggest concern here, which has sort of been my biggest concern all year long, is whether Shanahan knows that he's messing up because he made a lot of mistakes this game and he also caught a lot of great plays. But he made a lot of mistakes and you need to be the best team in the NFL or at least you need to play like the best team in the NFL when you're the Giants <laughs> to win the Super Bowl. And I think he did not coach a very good game and they still almost won the thing. If he had just coached to like Andy Reid levels of just game management, which is not really the highest bar. I mean, Andy Reid's a great play designer and he's actually progressed a lot as a play caller and actually went for it on fourth and short twice in a row. And that helped him score the first 10 points of the game. Take notes, Shaney. And every time that Shanahan was fourth and short, he decided to kick the ball. So that was technically the difference in the game. And it's been the difference in past losses this season. And I don't understand why he doesn't figure it out. It's not something that's complex. And I'm sure everyone's sick of me talking about it. And I'm sick of talking about it too. And I should be sick of talking about it because Shanahan's one of the 32 best people at his job. And personally, I would say that he's definitely in the top 10, if not higher than that. But he has this deficiency that, is so easy to fix, but it just hasn't been fixed. And I'm sort of hoping or praying <laughs> that Lynch was upset enough about that call that he's going to talk to Shanahan <laughs> about his mistakes and just have him think about what he's doing on, in some of these situations because just the lack of aggressiveness, he can't be aggressive at all the wrong times and then just not be aggressive when he needs to be aggressive. It's just, if he keeps doing this, he's going to keep losing. I mean, he's not going to be keeping losing Super Bowls. He's just, he's not going to get to Super Bowls. He's been uh, somewhat lucky to get the, to the two that he has. I mean, he had an amazing offense. that was, I mean, a lot of that was him, but also had a lot to do with the players on the team. And then this year was sort of that Cinderella story kind of team where you're stopping your storied rivals and the one inch line to get the number one seed and everything falls into place and you're just annihilating everybody and these opportunities don't come around very often and last time it came around was what seven years ago so yeah. with 32 teams in the league that's less than half the time you would expect a team to take to uh, return to the super bowl and there were definitely some difficult years in between our two super bowl runs right just hope that they get there again and hope that shanahan learns you can just tell he's, he's such a smart guy but you can tell he's such a stubborn guy and that was really the knock on him here in dc i mean that's why everyone had a problem with him is like yo of course in you know, the whole coach's son thing too but once they actually saw him as an offensive coordinator like hey this guy's actually pretty good but he's extremely stubborn and he's always right and 
he isn't always right. <laughs> and I'm talking about Shanahan, not me, by the way. <laughs> but it's not very difficult to show him why he's wrong. It would take you about 10 minutes to fully explain to why a handful of those calls were just wrong calls. Like, you shouldn't have done this. It's hurting your team. And unless you have some design play, which I'm, I was actually sort of surprised that they haven't shown anybody anything the entire playoffs. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they definitely showed the Chiefs a lot in the first half. I mean, Debo was just all over the place. I'm definitely excited about him going forward. For sure. But they were in a bunch of other situations where you figure that you know, Shanahan was like joking about was last week, the week before, but I guess Tecmo Bowl playbook or whatever. But I mean, his playbook is, <laughs> if you actually have seen his past playbooks, they're extremely complex and he has a lot of plays and he has plays on plays and he has plays on plays on plays. Right. It's like you need a handful of plays for certain situations. Right. He didn't have them. A great example is the third and 10 at the end of the game. How do you feel about that quote unquote horrible throw by Garoppolo? Garoppolo sucks. Let's go trade him for Brady or whatever. <laughs> that throw on third down. What are your feelings on that play? Because I guarantee you my feelings are very strong. I'm trying to remember which one that was because there were several at the end of the game that were like, eh. That was the pass to Sanders. Oh. Um, I think it was 140. That one. Left, and it was third and 10, and they were on the 50 or maybe the Chiefs 49, something like that. Yeah. And third and 10, so we know what we need to do. We need to get 10 yards. Right. And he didn't hit Sanders. I think we can agree on that. Right. My understanding is that Kendrick Bourne was kind of like wide open. He was, but at the same time, he was really a decoy on the play to try to bring the safety down, which he did. And Garoppolo was being pressured, like he always is, because right. the interior of our offensive line is not very good when it needs to be good. And he threw the ball when he had to throw it. Right. And was it the most accurate pass? No. Nope. No, but he, I mean, he, had, he had to throw it when Sanders was about to hit his break. So I mean, he threw it where he could, and that's not his throw. Right, He's never right, been right. known for his 55-yard passes. No, not generally and not. Anyway, so, so I was asking you what you thought about it. So go ahead, please. <laughs> I think under the circumstances, it's probably not the thing you want to do. I think the thing there is probably to throw a five-yard slant on third and 10, knowing that you're going to need to run two plays anyway. Or shoot, if you're going to run the ball, run the ball there like on third and 10, knowing that you're going to use all four downs anyway. Uh, and honestly, your best case scenario is to that you want to run the clock down anyway. That's the other thing that I heard people talking about is even if Sanders catches that ball and scores, there's still like a minute and a half left for Mahomes to tear our hearts out anyway. You actually heard somebody say that? Yeah. I have yet to hear somebody say that. And everyone's saying, oh, Garoppolo, you're never going to be young. You're never going to be Montana. You're never going to be that guy who wins the game. I'm like, that pass is not going to win the game. It's no. going to lose the game. If he completes that pass... And it's a touchdown. If it's the greatest pass of his life, and it's a touchdown, you're giving the ball back to Mahomes with three timeouts left and over a minute and a half on the clock. Like that's gonna end well for you? Right. Yeah, it's not it's not the ideal. <laughs> I mean, it was a great route by Sanders. Correct. Like he had it, but again, I don't know that that's the solution. Like No, I don't think it is at all. The best thing to do there would be to get a first down. Like that's what you wanted was a first down. That's what I'm saying. Like if you run the ball in that situation and you pick up you know, five, six yards. Well, okay, good. Fourth and four, you got to go for it because the game's on the line kind of thing, as opposed to the fourth and 10 that they put themselves in. I think the idea behind it was, well, first of all, I'm not really sure that Garoppolo again had much of a choice because yeah. it was either that or he was going to take a sack and that would have been worse because like fourth and 20 would not have been ideal. Uh, you have to beat Mahomes and just like throwing with your eyes closed for right. you to complete a fourth and 20 pass. Yeah, so anybody who's throwing a fit about Garoppolo in the first place, this is not all his fault. Again, like I said, several good plays by the Chiefs defense. Was he always put in the best situations? I don't know. Did he make some errors at the end of the game? 100%. Yeah. Like, there was a throw, you know, it wasn't on the final drive. I think it was the second to the last drive where he missed Kittle completely. Like, he was wide open. He missed him. He just missed him. Yeah. And he does that from time to time. And also the the play right before Sanders, when he threw that ball to Bourne. That almost got intercepted. My brother Aaron and I had a way too perfect view of that one. And actually, I usually try to sit on the sidelines because generally you can see everything better from there. But you know, being up like a little bit higher, you know, lower part of the uh, of the upper deck, 
it is really cool to see plays develop. It's like you're watching the All-22, like, during the game. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I will consider in the future. Not necessarily moving my permanent seats there, but sitting there more often because you can really just see the way that these passing plays develop. I can see that pass from Mahomes to Hill like a mile away. I'm like, oh no. Yeah, so I guess maybe it's not all good. But <laughs> but you could just see that safety was like, ding, ding. Like, I'm going to pick this ball. Like, immediately, as soon as it was snapped, I'm like, oh no, don't throw it. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness that either there. The guy can't catch her. Well, actually, it's, the ironic thing is I think Chris, Chris Jones alter the trajectory of the ball enough that he couldn't intercept it, which is the funny part. He might have, by tipping the ball, he might have taken an interception away from his teammate, but that's... Yeah, so I'll, I'll say there. good job, Ben Garland, Michael Person, for not getting your hands on him like every play of the game and just letting him stand there. Yeah. Like he did in the preseason and didn't learn all year long. But whatever. It's not like the coaching staff had all year to teach our center and guard <laughs> how to properly do that. But you know me, I'm not bitter. So back to the call. We could go back and forth on this all day, all night, into the, the early weeks. Yeah, you did totally hit on my first two problems with the play but my third problem with with the play which is i'm not sure if it's the biggest one or not but why on earth is kittle in the backfield (laughs) i don't understand why the 49ers best receiving target is blocking on what was at the time the most important play of the season of shanahan's career i have no idea why it's not like they don't have a lot of players on their team and some of them can block <laughs> like some of them do it for a living i mean if you really want someone to block back there just put a blocker back there yeah you know, put an offensive lineman back there or put perhaps a different tight end or even cj bether just anybody else was use check already back there with him or was it was it Mostert? No, I think it was. Um, I yeah, think it was Mostert, so. which actually makes sense because the idea is that you want the defense to be worried about him right and they, they were doubling kittle like nonstop, and i mean they, they just Yep. They always had another guy looking at Kittle. So you're just taking him out of the play. And it's sort of like I was saying last week that do not spy because all you're doing is removing one player from your team. Yeah. And you're playing 11 on 10, basically. And they sort of did the same thing on that play by having Kittle in the backfield blocking. And I mean, he blocked well. So, <laughs> I mean, the rest of the guys didn't block very well. And well, not well enough. Didn't have enough time. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is if it, if the block gets to Kittle at that point, that's trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like where he he's standing, they're both there. He was in the shotgun with Mostert on one side of him and Kittle on the other. If if Kittle is making a block that is affecting the play, it's probably not what you want anyway, right? Like, yeah, all you're doing is just inviting the guy who's covering him to blitz. That means he's getting. That means the defender is way too close to your quarterback. Yep. So just put somebody bigger back there. And then put Kittle on the outside and then take out, choose your receiver. Like, I don't care who it is. Just actually, actually, seriously, anybody. Yeah. Anyone other than him. Yeah. They needed to dial up the last play of the New Orleans game again. That was the, that was the play they were missing. Yeah. And they had the opportunity to do it twice in a row. Cause, cause again, like if you run that, if you do that twice, you have a first down and then you're fine. Yeah. Well, well I mean, so he obviously learned his lesson because you know where Kittle was on fourth down. Was out. I don't remember where he was. He was not. Oh, yes. Nah. In the backfield. Yeah. Like, is this a joke? No, this is not a joke. It's the end of the 49ers season. Like, like, I mean, I was flipping out after third down, and they motioned him back there on fourth down, and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to do right now. <laughs> like, I, I cannot, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to control myself right now. Like, this is insane. Like, he must be, go, like, there must be some trick play. It's got to be a trick play. And then, I think they, they, I mean, he leaked out a little bit. He actually didn't block his guy. Who very- knows what that play was going to be because it didn't develop in anything. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, he blocked this guy a little bit and leaked out. So maybe that was the idea. But oh my, I mean, just get him out of the backfield. Get your best receiver out of the backfield. Yeah. Just because he's a good blocker, don't hold it against him because he might be a great blocker. I mean, he is a great blocker, but he is your best receiver and he scares the opposition. And if you asked Andy Reid, hey, Andy Reid, where do you want us to put Kittle? You'd say on the sideline. Right. Where else? <laughs> maybe like somewhere on the offensive line or like a quarterback or something like that. Actually, maybe not even quarterback. But where else? In the backfield, blocking. So what do you do on the two most important plays of your career? You put him in the backfield. It just doesn't make any sense. So it was just just so many things that just did not make sense. Like Mostert. I've heard of him. Isn't he that guy who had like, 250 yards two weeks ago 
220 yards, but yeah, it was yeah, close. Was 250 the record? Yes, 252 was the record. <laughs> I'm going to blame on the refs. It looked like 250 to me. It was 220. The number was 220. <laughs> I'm like Al Bundy over here. It was 550 yards, 17 touchdowns, one game. <laughs> Whatever. I'm, I'm just making it all up. Anyway, he had a lot of yards. <laughs> Correct. Like the most ever for a 49er running back. Can confirm. So someone please explain to me why he is not touching the ball. I, I think he had like, like, they dumped the ball off to him in the first quarter. And then it's like the second quarter, like halfway through or nine minutes ago or eight minutes ago or something like that. And he still has not run the ball. What are you doing? You know that they're game planning for him, of course, because he's good. Yeah, it's like the best running backs in the NFL. Just because other teams are gaming planning for him doesn't mean that you don't play them and you would just keep them on the bench. In fairness, the giving the ball to Debo Samuel strategy was working really well at the beginning of the game. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm all about that. <laughs> but could you imagine what the giving the ball to Debo slash giving the ball to Mostert strategy would be? Pretty good. I, I prefer that. Yeah. To the give the ball to, I mean, I mean Coleman played fine. Yeah, I mean, he's fine, but it's just I, I don't know what his obsession is with Coleman because Coleman is not as good as Mostert, and at this point in his career, and Mostert has continues to prove that, and it doesn't matter. It it obviously does not matter what he does because he couldn't have done any better than he did two weeks ago, and no, he's chilling on the sideline like, and Andy Reid must be like, what don't like. You know, does he owe me or something? Like, like, did I win some bet that I don't know about? Or like? In fairness, uh, Matt Breida has murdered someone. Is the only solution that we? <laughs> I did see him on the opening kickoff. It did. I, he was out there on special teams a lot. Let's just say that he's alive. He is alive. But Jeff Wilson is suddenly a better receiver. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Wilson don't Jr. Know. <laughs> yeah, good job, Wilson Jr. Jr. Like he hasn't played in a month, in two months, but just toss him out there. No big deal. And it's not like he has a huge fumbling problem over the course of his career and in college. I mean, he did just drop the ball <laughs> on the first time he touched it, but no big deal. I don't know why they're punishing Brita when he's at times been so, so good. At, at times better than most. Are. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jeff Wilson Jr. is fine. Correct. And I loved his... Texas route or it was something similar that he had. On. Which is apparently the only, the only ride he knows how to run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, that might be true. Yeah, he can do that and then like some swing pass he drops. Yeah. So he, he has those two. But he ran the Texas route very, very well, I guess twice in his career. Yeah. And I guess that's the only thing he does. I think that opposing defenses might figure, figure and run And run straight ahead with like a half a yard to go. That's Those are his two skills. Yeah. That we're sure of. Yeah, which pretty much anybody could do. So it's a good question as to why... The 49ers' second best running back didn't see the field. Yeah, I don't know. And why their best running back was barely even playing. And it's just so many things that I would have done differently at the time. That I was like, just do it differently at the time. You sure. know, not Monday morning quarterback. Just, like, just do it different now. And they just, <laughs> didn't, just didn't do it. And yeah. As you know, it's just disappointing. It's so difficult to get here. Yeah. It takes a whole lot of luck. And the 49ers have had some luck. Ultimately. He inch or two here, inch or two there during the regular season. And like I said, Cinderella's storybook ending. And I just, for some reason, knew that it just wasn't going to happen. And I was not surprised at the end, unfortunately. And it was just, uh, yeah, it was a rough one. And you hope that they get to retain most of the team and get back there soon because I feel like a lot of the players had a positive outlook after the game, yeah, after they cried, Baldurizer <laughs> to rebound and bring it next year. Yeah, and I hope that they do. But I also hope that Shanahan maybe just takes a step back and yeah, absolutely, or is forced to take a step back by his, I guess, his boss. Who knows? But someone needs to get to Shanahan and tell him to start looking at the analytics a little bit more than he is, like, or just look at them a little bit because. He's just so good. And some of those places at Debo, I'm like, man, I mean, this guy is elite. Yeah. I mean, both of them, both Debo and Shani. And Debo's definitely a guy that looking forward to seeing uh, next year. And I can only imagine him in year two. He's my favorite. But some of the plays that he calls are so good. And some of them are just so bad. It's it's just quite aggravating. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately... The good news is that I think these are fixable things. Oh yeah, they're definitely fixable. I, I was listening. I was listening to um, the uh, Ringer NFL show with uh, Robert Mays and Kevin Clark after the 
they were both the, at the game with you, you know, out there with you amongst the people. <laughs> you mean uh, on the field? <laughs> but they were talking about, Robert Mays brought up the point that would you rather have this problem or like somebody who was really good at making decisions but couldn't draw up a, a offensive play to save his life? Like this is this is the better solution to have, right? Yeah. Or this is the better problem to have. Like, because we can turn the genius into a solid decision maker. I mean, look, Andy Reid did it. He made some decisions in the Super Bowl that won him the game. But, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And he has spent most of his career being the under this same level of scrutiny that Shanahan is under now with like, oh, he made these wrong decisions and he's doing these wrong things. And da, da, da. Yeah. You know, he, he figured it out. It took him a long time and hopefully Shanahan will not take that long of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not that many cheeseburgers either. Um, <laughs> yeah, he has officially handed the I can't manage a game. I can't manage the clock, yet I can really call some cool plays. I can really design some cool plays. I mean, he's handed that torch to Shanahan, and Shanahan owns it. Yep. It's his. He has turned into Andy Reid. Blown two biggest, what, fourth quarter leads in the yes. history? The two of biggest, the- no, two biggest leads in, in the NFL, in the Super Bowl history. Oh, it was like leads like all together, not just fourth quarter leads. Yes, which just goes to show you how very few leads there have been lost in the Super Bowl if a 10 point is the second highest. Yeah, usually when you have a lead in the fourth quarter, but it was sort of weird the way that the 49ers defense got so tired. Seeing that, ultimately, that was the thing. That was why I was not as worried as you were going into the fourth quarter because I was like, look, they've held it down for three quarters and yeah, the offense seems to be sputtering a bit, but come on, the defense is going to do this. Like, that was the thing. They just, they didn't. Yeah. With my thinking, it was, all right, we need to overcome Shanahan's, some of his play calling and his, his clock management. We need to overcome the refs, which were, they were a factor. They weren't the reason that we lost, but they were a factor. <laughs> and we need to overcome Mahomes, who is going to do something. He's not going to go the entire game and be so bad. The fact that he got MVP is still pretty absurd. I mean, he played fine in some of the of the game. But, I mean, overall, <laughs> if he would have just taken away that one bomb that he threw, you know, it was just a perfectly timed play where... Where it got turned around, and I guess mostly maybe if he was a little bit older, not more mature from a um, maturity standpoint, but more experienced. Right, like in terms of, yeah. Yeah, that he would have sure. seen it coming. Like when Tyreek's in the slot, um, you probably should pay attention to him because something's about to happen. And <laughs> he really didn't even need to follow Watkins over to the middle of the field because Warner had sort of seen what was going on, and he was way back there. So he didn't really need to do that. So I guess that could have been... Uh, Picks, but you have to think that Mahomes is going to do something at some point in the game. And if it wasn't for that one play, and if it wasn't for the one pass interference call, I guess there are two pass interference calls in this entire game, and they're both on the Niners. Yep. But I'm talking about the offensive pass interference call against Kittle. Jimmy would have been the MVP of this game, and it wouldn't have been a question. And now everyone's talking about, like, oh, he's horrible. Right. And, and I think that's just lazy. Yeah. Well, and Shanahan made that point today during their press conference. Yeah. He was murdering it in like it was, you know, the second and third quarter. hundred ah, percent. He had like three incompletions going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, and on at he, least one or two of those guys apart, was obviously held or pass interfered with. Yeah. Oh, that was the other. The other one was the Sanders total botched missed where he's like being yeah. held around the waist by the defender. And it's just a hug, man. And they were like, eh, it's fine. It's fine. Exactly. I don't think that that one actually hurt them. I think that they ended up converting on the next play. I think that was the touchdown. They That was their last touchdown drive. Yeah. But still, at the same time, it was it was indicative of the problem that was going on throughout the game. Yeah. The crowd was going nuts on some of these calls. They stopped showing some of these calls at one point. <laughs> That's how you know. But they got craziest. And I only watched the L22 because I didn't want to listen to Joe Buck in any capacity. <laughs> but... I'm still not quite sure why they called that one touchdown when Williams was um, his foot was on yeah. the line when that was the the go ahead touchdown. Yep. Yeah. So it looked on the jumbotron when they froze it <laughs> that his foot was on the line. All of the angles were terrible. They said he stepped out. Oh no, he did definitely. They paused it on the jumbotrons. They called it a touchdown on the field. That was ultimately what the problem was. Yeah, and they said it, that it stood, but they paused it. That freeze framed it, and his foot was on the line. The ball did not cross the plane, and all the Niners fans going nuts. 
And in the midst of us going nuts, they call it a touchdown. And then we're just like, what? <laughs> like, huh? Just look up in the Jordan. He wasn't in. And that situation would have been really, really interesting. That really would have showed you what Andy Reid has learned as a play caller and a, and a head coach, whether he would have gone for that or kicked the field goal to tie the game. Because, I mean, they're on the one-inch line there. And that would have been a very, very interesting decision because do you really want to give up the opportunity to tie up the game and give the ball back to the other team or trying to pound it in with one of your many, many trick plays or Mahomes of the middle would probably be the smartest move there. But yeah, I was like, oh man, this is going to be crazy. This is going to be crazy. And it was not. Unfortunately, it wasn't. (laughs) They just called a touchdown and you're like, you gotta be kidding me, man. (laughs) But it wasn't the ref's fault. Nope. There is much blame to be tossed around. I think that Salah coached a very good game in the first half, especially the fact that when you rush forward, they should have gotten there and refs wouldn't allow them to get there. But another thing that I've been talking about all year long is when the refs aren't calling penalties, then commit penalties. And the 49ers just don't do that. The offensive line should not be allowing anybody to touch Garoppolo. Tackle them until they call a penalty. Just don't let them touch him. And Garoppolo's getting crushed in this game. Yeah, but you know that would have that happened the other way. They would have been like, oh, penalty. When he was like, You know, at least maybe that they would realize that they had a flag in their pocket to throw, you know, because they obviously didn't otherwise. So like, oh, we can actually call offensive holding calls? It's crazy. We consulted the rule book at halftime. and it- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So when the refs are calling, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's just like baseball, right? Where's the umpire in strike zone? Well, that's where the umpire strike zone is. But the 49ers don't take advantage, of, even when they know where the umpire strike zone is, and everyone in the stadium knew where the umpire strike zone yeah, was. Yeah, true. And, and I'm sure the millions of people watching the game knew where the umpire strike zone was. And the 49ers didn't take advantage of it. So, you know, it's a young coaching staff. It's a young team. There's lots of hope for the future. This is our cry into our Diet Cokes episode. <laughs> but I'm so happy with the way the team played this year. Just please, quote-unquote, analysts, stop talking so poorly about Jimmy G. It's just sort of silly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, Come on, dude. If you're going to be blaming him for missing the only receiver he really could throw to when his best receiver is in the backfield for reasons unknown and it wouldn't have done him any good anyway, could he have been comeback Jimmy or whatever and led them down the field? Like, possibly, but under those circumstances, it would be very, very difficult for him to do so. You got to put him in the right position to do so, and they didn't. Even if he completes that pass, the, the defense still had, would have had to hold up, and yeah. who knows? Yeah. Maybe they would have. Maybe it would have been fine, and the whole thing would have turned around but uh um maybe not maybe they complete that pass and we're up by three points and mahomes marches down the field and wins the game anyway so who knows? i sure wouldn't have wanted to see that then i really would have had a hard attack <laughs> no 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 no. that would have been worse than what happened i feel like ultimately i i agree with you i think this has been a great year oh yeah it's been a lot of fun man as far as being my first year being a part of the uh, niner noise team I think it's certainly been a, a good one to to jump in, and it's probably going to make uh, the rest of them sort of pale in comparison from here on out. It, like if they if they don't win thirteen games next year, I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be like really depressing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they're not usually like this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know I've been paying attention during this entire time, but different different things for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's why I'm so negative because I've been forced to be so negative about all their mishaps. I need to get this out of you, man. Yeah. I need to get this out of you, for sure. 49ers played a great season, and they. Yeah, I was on the same page as you. I'm like, yeah, 8 and 8, 9 and 7, maybe we can sneak in at 10 and 6. And as we all know, you know, I was interviewed earlier in the season and said that the 49ers weren't really a, did they say a Super Bowl caliber team or did they say a Super Bowl winning team? Because maybe I was right. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I was obviously wrong. I thought even at the time when they had, you know, four or five wins, I think mean, four wins, something like that. I thought they'd be fighting for a playoff spot at the end. And they were fighting for a first round bye and at least the division at the end. But they play a lot better than that. I thought they were going to play, but they had problems on the interior of the offensive line and they hid them very, very well for almost all of the season and then at the last game unfortunately it really played a major role in a lot of those knockdown passes and it's the same problem that they had with garland all season long and that's why i don't like him as the 49er starting center uh, i think he's great backup but you need a real starting center who puts his hands on the defender and doesn't allow him to knock every ball down 
And I think on one of those knockdown uh, passes, there were three people protecting their quarterback against one. And somehow he was still able to get his hand up and knock the ball down. So it's just a thing that they need to be taught and they just need to learn. And they're going to have a nice long off season to think about all the things that could have been. And we'll have that nice long off season as well. <laughs> and hopefully we will be back next year with a positive season and uh, an opportunity to go hopefully somewhere close to where we went this year. So I like it. All in all, a good season. A little bit short, but go get them next year, guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I think that's a, a good segue into sort of wrapping things up here through the off season. We'll be roughly shooting for probably a, a podcast every other week, every three weeks or so, just kind of depending on how the schedule works out. We'll sort of figure that out. If anything major happens, we may jump on and do sort of quick reaction stuff, you know, major signings or something like that once free agency starts. But mostly it'll be coming back to talk about off season plans, draft thoughts, things like these as we move throughout the off season. Ultimately, I think this has been a great year. And I think, as you mentioned, the team is still relatively young. The future looking pretty bright. And I think as long as they can maintain the team at the most important levels and continue to develop uh, talent and bring in top tier talent in other places, I think that they should continue to be contenders for a good long while. So as always, uh, folks, we want to thank you for listening to the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. We have uh, enjoyed being a part of your 49er fan experience this year um, and look forward to continuing to be a part of it uh, throughout the offseason and into the 2020 season when that gets started. Please uh, check out the podcast and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, wherever that might be. And as always, share the uh, podcast with your friends we'll uh, be back with you very soon we're going to take a little break to sort of uh, recover from the long season uh, and also you know give our wives recovery uh, time from us having to take <laughs> the time to do this throughout the season but until next time we'll see you then niner fans have a good one Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.